Good morning, Cibolo Creek. We continue our summer series today with something a little different than our typical format, which I think is always a good thing. I like it when we change it up now and then just to try to keep things fresh. Uh, two weeks ago, you heard from Pastor Landon Porter. Landon is our group's pastor here at Cibolo Creek. Well, today he is joined by his wife, Stephanie, and together they will be sharing some important insights into our spiritual health and well-being that I believe you will find to be very helpful. Stephanie is a licensed counselor, assisting people with sorting out challenges that they're facing in their personal lives in the hopes of living healthy and vibrant journeys of faith. So please welcome Landon and Stephanie Porter as they share with you today. All right. Well, good morning, church. Good morning. It's good to be here today, huh? Yeah. yeah. It is good. I like this. Hey, I'm really excited about what we're going to talk about today because first of all, um, it's something that God's really put on our hearts, but most of all, I get to share it with my beautiful bride, Stephanie, and she Hi. gets to interact with you guys and get to know, you guys get to know her a little bit more. Um, like Paul said, she is a marriage and family therapist, but she is so much more than that. I mean, she is a wonderful wife, a great mom to our two girls. Um, she's a good friend, a great ministry leader, and even as a counselor, she's more than just a, a marriage and family counselor. She's more than just the psychology. She's really about biblical counseling, how to apply God's word to our lives, and does a great job with that. Very, very wise. So thanks for what you do, honey. Thank you. Um, it's like made me a little teary. Thank no, you. No. <laughs> well, I think you're pretty wonderful. Yeah. Uh, but also, to let you guys know, we actually celebrate our 25th wedding anniversary in August. Coming up Woo! pretty soon, huh? 25 years I've put up with this guy. Yes, you have. Says the marriage therapist. <laughs> yes, no. I know. And I'm, some of you are looking at us like, 25 years. How long have they, when did they get married? They must have been 12. <laughs> no, we weren't. I promise. We graduated college. And I know we look a lot younger than we really are. But we actually have almost a 19-year-old and a 17-year-old. And uh, we just, I just like to say we're spring chickens. <laughs> so, and also some of you women might have known her or got to know her a little bit um, during the If series has happened in the past uh, few weeks here at our church. And uh, that's been really good. And what you've seen her there in that environment, her natural environment is that she loves to worship. And if you've seen her at church, even she's a, an active worshiper. She loves to dance and worship. And I that you're really good at that. So thank you. I yeah. do. You know what? If y'all have been to If, I've loved getting to know you and I just want to let the women, um, if you haven't been to IF, we have our last gathering coming up on July 25th, and we'd love to have you. It's been so much fun. It's been really sweet and a lot of really amazing things. Um, we've had, we have worship, and we have small group, and we have some really good talks that we're doing. Um, but really, I want to say thank you to you and the church for letting us do it, because yeah. it's been a lot of fun. So it's thank it's you. good stuff. It's real good stuff. Well, today, what we're going to do is we're going to invite you guys into a conversation, kind of like us sitting on our couch. So this would be like our living room. Okay, maybe not, but um, come into a conversation we might have at our house around what it is to be a disciple of Jesus. Like, what does it really mean to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did? And, you know, I think uh, here as a church, we're spending this whole year kind of really trying to narrow down on that. Like, how do we really be a disciple of Jesus? And Paul um, has talked about how we can, in this series, you know, become like Jesus, looking at things like his character traits, his values, the different priorities he had in his life, the habits and the passions of Jesus. And in particular, for, for a lot of us, we 
need to just learn and, and observe how did Jesus act or interact with other people and how can we imitate that? You know, what, what values did he live out in his life and what's shown in the Bible? That way, that's the example, the blueprint we're trying to submit to, to imitate and learn from, right? Um, Paul also shared with us uh, these six different character traits as a church to try to focus on things like compassion, gracious, humble, unselfish, devoted, and forgiving. All those are fantastic. And I think today, what we're going to do is, is we're going to try to look at how we can become like Jesus in a way that kind of encompasses several of these. Yeah, right, honey? Absolutely. So when Landon invited me to join him to do this talk, he said, hey, what character trait do you want to talk about? And I mean, without hesitation, I looked at him and I was like, unoffended. And he was like, tilted his head and I said, because that's what we're working on. <laughs> and because in our home, that's what we are working on. We're working on not being offended with one another. And so I felt like Jesus, of all the things Jesus shows us, he shows us how to live unoffended. And it challenges me so much. That challenges me. I'm sure it challenges all of us as well, because living unoffended is not natural. It's not easy. But when we say living unoffended, like, we yeah. first have to look at what it would mean to be offendable. So right. I'm going to ask my, my, my therapist here. Okay, not my therapist, but the therapist. Sometimes. <laughs> no. What does it mean to be offended? Well, you know, we have to look at it in two sides. We have to realize that um, I am offended, right? So we have to realize and be aware that something's happening inside of us. So um, we have to know that we have thoughts and feelings and actions, and then we immediately have a response. I said two words there that are important, immediately and response. And that's the other part of it is we've got to know that we need to have a proper response when we're offended. Because what happens when we live offended is that we're acting in our sinful, fleshly nature right. instead of in the spirit. Yeah, and there's actually an author, his name is Brant Hatson. He wrote a book called Unoffendable. And he defined offendable like this. He says, the taking of offense... And the very presumption that I'm somehow entitled to be angry with someone. Yeah. Can anyone kind of relate to that? Mm. Maybe right. this past week, maybe this morning <laughs> on the way to church, right? <laughs> I mean, it's the idea that we, we think something says something and we can pick that up and be angry with it. I'm entitled now to be angry with someone else. And that my response to their comment, to their action is I get to be angry. Right, that's kind of the, the idea of living offendable. And I don't know about you, honey, but like that's a hard thing to look at and say, hmm, because I mean, for me, I'm in that. Yeah. I've been there, right? I, I'm there too often, really. Absolutely. We, that definition just says, I'm allowed to, because uh, what we've decided is that you did something to me and it's your fault. But the truth of the matter is, is that actually my response is my responsibility, mm, not amen. the other person's response. I have to know why I am offended, what's going on, what button was pushed, why does it bother me, and what are the, the things that come, the feelings that come after that. I right. have to know all of those things, but instead what we do is we say, you did. <laughs> And we, we point our finger in everything, right? right? Whether we say it passively, aggressively, or we say it directly, we say it with our actions, or we say it with our words. Right. That's really what we're saying. That's so true. And I think today we can all agree we're living in a day and age of offense. Yes. Right? I mean, Pastor Robert Madu, a uh, guy up in Dallas, says this. He goes, it's like we no longer live in the USA. We're living in the USO, the United States of offense. Yes. I mean, men are offended. 
Women are offended. The millennials are offended. The baby boomers are offended. The Democrats are offended. The Republicans are offended. The atheists are offended. And we could add to that, the Aggies are offended. Maybe the Longhorns are offended. Dallas Cowboys fans probably should be offended. I don't know. Um, <laughs> well, and if you know Landon, then the Duke Blue Devils are offended. Hey, hey what are we talking about? Yeah, I went there. <laughs> I got your team. I know, but it's like everything in today's society has two sides, right? And it's the side that I'm on and the side that they're on. And if they say something that's bad about my side, guess what? I'm mad. I'm the victim. They're, they're wrong and I'm right. right. And, and we just automatically divide every issue. And you've seen it, you've seen it on social media, you see it in our schools, you see it in our society, and our, our government, it's everywhere, this idea that there's only two sides, and we're, the only way to re- respond to it is, I'm right and they're wrong, yes. right? We even see it in church. Mm-hmm. We do, we see it in, amongst our brothers and sisters. Yeah, so yeah. let me ask you then, why, therapist, why do we get offended? Like, what's the root of being offended? Well, um, two things that I think are super important here. One is we have to realize like we live in a fast paced society Hmm. and we are busy. We are overcommitted. We are stretched. We are pulled and we're going from one thing to the next. And that, that's very different from biblical times, right? I mean, everywhere they went, they walked, they, they had hospitality. They went and sat at each other's homes. They had dinner, you know, everything was slow and it gave time to think and to react and to respond and to listen. And we, because we're so hurried, we're so impatient. And we're like, I have somewhere to go. I have somewhere to be. I need to get out of, get out of my way. Um, I don't have time to deal with you and let's move on. But what really all of that is doing is creating E zones. I like to call them. These are uh, feelings that really irk you to acting out. Basically they're the, they're what drive you to a behavior and you've got to know these feelings. So the top ones that I picked for this, for um, being offended are disrespected, unheard, controlled, overlooked, and unappreciated. Hmm. I mean, who can identify with those? Right? I mean, <laughs> think about it in our house. Like, you yeah. know, we, this is something I said we are working on. And in our house, when I feel like Landon hasn't heard me, I'm like, <clears throat> Landon, I'm talking. Did you hear the words coming out of my mouth? And this is his answer. No. And I'm all, but there uh, were, there were lots of words. <laughs> <laughs> well, or, or when I feel, you know, disrespected or controlled, I'm like, hey, that's not right. And I, I bow up and I fight back, right? And mm-hmm. that starts a quarrel that isn't necessary. Right. Right. Because it's really just getting down to how do I feel about this? Because that's the root. The root of the offense is I'm feeling something. Yes. The offense isn't so much about what the other person said or did. Right. As much as a, how I feel, what I'm going to think about and respond yeah. from that. Nicely said. So if that's the case, let's look at what are the results? What are the responses to living an unoffended life? Um, so I think what's really important here is to realize it creates broken relationships yeah. and it puts a chasm between whether it's your coworker, it's your spouse, it's your kids, it's your family, whatever it is, it creates a lot of distance and it takes a lot of work to get the chasm smaller and smaller and smaller. So broken relationships um, are super important to know here. And then also I would say this is really important. Um, 
when we're offended, we have the inability to value the other person. Mm, say that again. We have the inability to value the other person. So true. When they don't think like you or act like you or uh, do what you think that they should do, you are in a place where you're like, no, like be like me and um, or that's wrong. And I know this because in the first nine years of our marriage, only the first nine, the rest of them, I have not done this. Um, but in the first nine years of our marriage, I really I spent a lot of time trying to make Landon like me. And I would say, this, this is the way. We should do it like this. And Landon would often say. It's the right way. <laughs> or he would tell me, oh, is this the only, only way? way? <laughs> and I'd be like, yeah, because it's the smart way. And so we would go back and forth and get in these arguments and create these chasms because right. I was trying to make him like me. And I realized there there's enough of Stephanie in this world. You know, I am wonderful and special and that is great, but he is also wonderful and special. And I needed to value him and his differences and what he thought. And I had to learn how to lay that down and yeah. really embrace him. Yeah, and when it, when it happened, it was, it was interesting. It actually brought us closer together, right? Because mm -hmm. that, those offenses, even the little small ones that happen daily, weekly, right? Those little small yeah. ones just create distance between us. And yeah. that's not what God wants in, in our marriage. So we had to realize that, okay, I don't have to do things, everything your way. Right. I, I can drive to the store every day, a certain path. And guess what? I get there and get can home safely. Can you believe that? He did not need me to tell him how to drive to the store. <laughs> nope. I mean, that was a big moment where I was like, oh, right. You are capable <laughs> of getting yourself to places when I'm not in the car. Well, huh. I, I, feel okay. the, I, I feel the exact same way because I'm in the car with her sometimes. I'm like, are we going to stop? Just slow, slow, slow down. Oh, okay, okay, we're slowing down. It's not the way I would have done it, but it is a way to do Absolutely. it, right? Created, that created a lot of offense it did. in our relationship. It did. So let me ask you then, biblically, what does this look like when we live an offended life? What's a good example of this? Okay, I love this passage, this little scripture here, because it has got a great imagery. And so I really want you to picture this imagery. And Proverbs 18, 9 says, an offended brother or sister, we can add, is harder to reach than a fortified city. And quarrels are like the bars of a fortress. And I really, I want you to picture that. A fortified city. Okay, so w what is that? That's walls that are 20 feet deep and 50 feet high of brick, right? The, you are not going to penetrate my wall. And then... Um, I also want you to think about like the chains on the gates. It's like those big chain links that go around and there's like seven locks uh, on it. That's kind of like our heart, right? This is what a fortified city looks around our heart. And then, well, let's just go to medieval times too, right? Let's add the moat around it and we'll put the crocodiles. And so you are definitely not going to get in here and I'm going to protect everything I've got to keep you out there. Well, and, and she said the word protect, right? But in reality, what is we doing here? We're not protecting. We're isolating. Yes. Right? When we put this fortified city up, we think it's in protection of ourselves, but in reality, we're just pushing people away. Yes. And we're creating division and disunity. And we're like, don't love me. I don't want to be loved. Right? And when I'm behind these big walls, can I love anyone outside of them? No. no. Because we're, we're isolated. We're in this fortified city. So that's when we live a, an offended life. We're just building walls around ourselves that keep yeah. us isolated from the love God wants us to share with other yeah. people. 
And, right. and absolutely, and you know what else is really important? We're not just keeping people out, we're keeping God out. Because mm. we don't realize that that's actually the first level of um, breaking of a relationship. We don't just break relationship here, we break relationship here. In order to reconcile, we have to reconcile here, and then we can reconcile here. I don't know if you guys realize, but that makes a cross. Okay, <laughs> and so, but that's really important. But what I would love to say here is, instead of having a wall with this, you know, that's so deep and wide, I would love for you to trade your wall for a fence and keep your gate because we need gates. That's Proverbs 4:23. Guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life. We got to open the gate to let the good in and close the gate to keep the bad out. So we still have to do a little level of uh, discernment, Correct. but we don't, we don't want to create isolation. Right. So, but when we do, Create isolation. I mean, we sh shut our hearts off, right? Oh, yeah. What are the, the, the results of that? What does it look like in our lives? Well, we have to realize right, that's walking in the flesh. It is. Right? Walking in the flesh. And so we create fruit from that. And those fruits would be like pride, justice, which that's really hard. I'm, I'm firstborn. I'm all about the justice. That is like in my personality. And I, I had to, I have to really work on that one, but I'd say pride, justice, um, expectations. Oh, definitely unspoken expectations. And those are, those are deathly. And then um, withholding victim and then you, our past experiences, maybe childhood, maybe something happened, maybe you have a trauma or something like that. But then also when you have 25 years with someone, you have a lot of past experiences. Yeah, we do. And I think sometimes you get in an argument and you start getting historical, not hysterical, right? I don't know. That's I not good. <laughs> <laughs> I've done that before. <laughs> Doesn't help me very much, right? Because when we have these, these kind of actions, when the pride comes in, when we're being, you know, constantly living a life of being an offense, I then have the right to get angry and hold resentment yep. and bitterness. And then I start to gossip or I slander or I get divisive, right? Mm -hmm. all, all of a sudden I'm entitled and I harbor unforgiveness in my heart. Those are all the results of living a life where I'm just constantly offended, right? That, that's, that's the fruit of a life living offended. Yeah. So as we know, Jesus had many opportunities in the Bible to be offended. If you think about it, just read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and he had example after example of the Pharisees getting on to him, judging him, insulting him. Uh, people accused him of things. Like He had so many opportunities to be offended but how does he respond to offense? And then we, that's, we want to take that as a blueprint to how we are going to respond. So yeah. Stephanie, what are some of your favorite passages or examples of Jesus not being offended? I know. Okay. So I had to really narrow this down. Like I had, I was like, Ooh, I can tell you all of these because as you know, I mean, he spent his whole ministry being persecuted and the Pharisees trying to find something uh, to get, take him down. Right. And so, but I'm going to basically paraphrase and you can look it up later, but Luke 22 through 23, and we're, we're going to look at a couple of verses, but really the last day of Jesus is the best example. The last to me. 24 hours. The last 24 hours. And the way that it starts is he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. Well, it starts with the Lord's Supper, but we'll start with the Garden of Gethsemane. And he is praying and he says to his disciples, hey, um, I need you to stay awake and pray so that you don't fall into temptation. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we got this. And he goes away and he prays and he comes back and they're asleep. 
And I'm like, right there, right? He could be offended because his friends didn't show up for him. And so he then asks them again, and he goes back and he prays um, so fervently that he is bleeding. Sweat, blood is coming off of him because he is so grieved because he knows what's happening. And he is wrestling by himself with God. That, that's what's happening because he says, can, I, can you take this cup? Can I, is there anything else? Can we do it any other way? And so he comes back and they're still sleeping. I mean, we get offended when our friends don't respond to our text messages, <laughs> right? And so it's like, hmm. I, that, that just blows me away. Yeah. So, but here, here's really my favorite. So just leading into that, continuing on, Jesus is um, in the garden. Judas brings the Roman soldiers to arrest him. He's betrayed him. And the disciples all of a sudden bow up. They realize something is not going right. And they're like, something's, something's going down. And so they say this, this is what happens in Luke 22, 49 through 51. He says, when those around him saw what was going to happen, they asked, Lord, should we strike with the sword? And then one of them struck the high priest servant and cut off his right ear. But Jesus responded, no more of this. And touching his ear, he healed him. And I, I'm like, okay, first of all, they ask the question, hey, Jesus, should we strike him? They don't even wait for him to answer. I mean, they're like, Jesus, should we strike him? I mean, and before Jesus can even like get the words out of his mouth, right? He's like, no, I am not going to be of this world. I am going to show everyone how to do it differently. And in the most genuine, gentle moment of love, he heals this man's ear. I mean, can I just, that makes me pause. Here he is. He knows what's going to happen. He knows that his best friend, Judas, just betrayed him. And he responds in gentleness and love. Right. And it continues, right? There's another example you have. I don't want to stop your examples here. Okay. I'm going to keep going. <laughs> okay. So then keep going with the day. Remember, this is the best day. Um, Jesus is now been arrested. He's in front of Pilate and he's being tried and being asked questions. And Pilate says this in Matthew 27, 13 through 14. Then Pilate said to him, don't you hear how much they are testifying against you? But he didn't answer him, not, on even, not even on one charge. And so that the governor was quite amazed. So he hears all the lies, the persecution, the insults, the things that they're stretching. He hears every bit of it. And in this moment, Pilate's like, what do you want to say for yourself? The best response sometimes is, no response. And Jesus, at some point in there, was like, I'm thinking through my feelings. I, I know what's going on. I know God's got a plan through this, and it won't do me any good to have a response. Yeah. But yet, how many of us, when we get offended, if that was us in that situation, we'd be like, but, 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 but hold on. That wasn't me. I, I didn't do that. Like, we would defend ourselves, right? Yeah. That's the natural flesh reaction, but that's not what God's reaction was. That's not what Jesus did. He said, I'm not going to respond to that right now. Yeah. He's like, I'm, I'm going to let God take care of that. Right. Which to me, I mean, I think about this and I go, okay, yeah, he's Jesus. He was a divine being, right? Yes. <laughs> of course he can do that. That's easy for him, right? But he was also fully human, just like you and me, which means we can do that too. Like if he in his humanness could understand what was going on and have the proper response of not responding, mm -hmm. then that means we can do the exact same thing. Yeah. Absolutely. So the question to you now, Stephanie, is 
How do we do that? Like, what are the practical steps to becoming unoffendable? Well, there's a couple of them, and there's a lot, but we're just going to go over a few today. I think five, right? Right. So if you got notes, it's a good plan to do right here. Right. <laughs> and so here's the first thing I, I want to encourage you. This is what I like to do, and I like to realize in the moment, I am not in control. And I have to release control. Like, let's take Landon driving, for instance. Landon's driving. I'm in the passenger seat. I literally have no control. How do I know this? I do not have the steering wheel, right? I cannot take that from him. And then secondly, God's in control. And so if you can practice releasing control and then whatever is your situation is literally laying it at the altar. And I just like to pray through that. Like, okay, Lord, I'm really annoyed right now. Landon is not listening to me. Clearly, I know the best and fastest way to get there and I just want to get there and but would you please tell Landon the best way and Lord would you re, would you humble my pride right I mean really because that's what I have right there is full-on pride yeah. right and so but if I can in that moment pray and literally be real with what's bugging me and know that God's like, yeah, that's really is good. Good job. I'm glad you see that. <laughs> Confess my sin and then ask the Lord to give me the righteous way. Right. right? It's so much better. Right. And, and it makes sense, too, because in that moment, when you give up control and she, she then talks to and gives control to the one person who can. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's like saying in this moment, rather than taking on the, the offense and getting upset and angry, Lord, I'm going to give it to you because you're in control. Not me. That's, yeah. that's a great first step. Absolutely. Well, then that leads you to your second step, which is self-awareness. Remember, I'm a therapist, so I'm all about this. And I know this is a lot of work um, and I'm going to make it sound really easy, but you've got to really know what's going on inside of yourself. You've got to know one, what you're telling yourself, because the story that you're telling yourself may not be true. And that we just like cling on to. And then the more we tell ourselves, the more and more and more we believe it. And then we go find others to confirm it and then solidify it. And so really we've got we've to find out what we're telling ourselves. And we've also got to identify our feelings. Um, and that, that's like my favorite thing to do in the whole world. And my family will tell you when I'm talking to them, I'm like, well, what are you feeling? And I get three responses. I don't know right now. <laughs> I get that's that response. response a lot. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but I also get mad, sad, glad. Yes, you do. Uh, mad, sad, glad. I hear that from my clients. I hear that, you know, just in everyday language, yeah. mad, sad, glad. And I just want you to know there's 3,000 feelings. So there's way more than mad, sad, glad. Um, okay, and hold on. Who is overwhelmed by that right now? <laughs> I might be a little bit. <laughs> but just finding what you're feeling will help you wrestle with what you're doing. Because remember, it is not the other person's responsibility to get you unoffended. You got offended at something and you got to figure out what it is, not make someone else do all the work and apologize. Because the phrase is your response is your responsibility. Right. Right. It's not their responsibility. It's mine. So right. that's Absolutely. big. And, and if there's kids in the audience right now and we, we give you a little bag, there's a, a sheet in that bag that actually says, here's like nine little, what are they called? Emojis yes. that recognize different kind of feelings. It's great for kids to start looking through that and go, huh? What does that mean to feel sad or happy? What does it mean to feel at peace? Just figure it out. So kids, if you have a chance to interact with that, I think it's a good little tool to look at. And parents, have a conversation with our kids on what are we feeling inside. Just like yeah. she asked me or our, our kids, like we have to figure out as adults how to help our kids understand their feelings as well because then we help them to live unoffended going forward. Yeah, 
Absolutely. So, so good. Now, the next step, honey, if you don't mind, my favorite step. Yeah. Okay. We're going to look to the Bible. We're going to look at Luke 17, 1 real quick, at how Jesus teaches us about offense. He said to his disciples, offenses will certainly come, but woe to the one through whom they come. Mm. Okay, go back to that. Offenses will certainly come. You know what that t tells me? That says it's not if they're going to come, it's when they're going to come. Mm -hmm. So good news is we're all going to be offended. Today, <laughs> tomorrow, at some point, it's, it's going to come, right? Jesus is telling us it's going to come. But when I went in and looked at this a little further, that word offense is actually the word scandalon in Greek. And the Greek gives us word pictures, which I love in their words. Uh, a scandalon is a stumbling block or a bait. Think about that. If an offense is going to come, that means I'm going to have an opportunity to stumble on something today. Stumbling is not something I want to do. That's not a healthy thing for me to do. I want to avoid stumbling. A bait is something that we put inside of a trap. And if we take that bait, we're stuck in the trap, right? Mm -hmm. So Jesus is saying, hey, listen, you're going to have chances. You've got to be aware. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a chance you're going to have an offense today. And it's probably going to be an opportunity for you to hurt yourself or hurt others in the process. You might get trapped in it. Yes. Right? But then God's word continues. I love this. And this is the, the, the key to our third step is to overlook. In uh, Proverbs 19.11, it says, a person's insight gives them patience, mm -hmm. and his virtue is to overlook an offense. Now, that sounds easy, right? But first of all, there's another translation that says, a person's wisdom gives them patience. I think wisdom is so key here. Like, to think through and know, okay, how do I handle this? I got to be aware of what happened and make a proper response. I got to be intentional. But that word overlook in the Greek is the word abar, Okay, and the word abar, now again, a picture here, is to step over or to pass by. Mm. So put a fence and overlook together, and you're like, huh, if there's going to be an offense, a stumbling block, I have the choice to intentionally step over or pass by that stumbling block. Yeah. How many times every day do we recognize the offense is going to come? Someone's going to say something to me, they're going to judge me, they're going to control me, they're going to say something that makes me angry, but I have the choice— to step over yeah. or to pass by and not take the bait. Right. Because think about how many times, and I know with us, honey, it's, I've taken the bait. Yeah. Right? I'm like, oh, I'm mad, I'm upset. And all it does is it traps me then in anger, mm -hmm. and then we get in a quarrel, in a fight, and mm -hmm. it doesn't help anybody out. In fact, it doesn't really hurt her. It hurts me more than anybody else. No, it hurts me too. Yeah, <laughs> it does. It does. Just in case but, you're wondering. But it's a, it's, a, it's a matter of when I don't step over or pass by, then we're actually going to stumble on that on the offense. So yeah. the third step is to really understand how to be intentional to overlook the offense, to step over it, right? It's almost like I like to say when we're walking down a sidewalk and there's going to be a hole in the sidewalk, you know it's there. You're walking down, you see it. What do I do about it? Do I step into it and break my ankle? Do I step in it and fall and curse at someone else who made the hole? Or do I get to intentionally step over and keep on going. Right, absolutely. That's what that's all about. I think also here we could uh, step over, overlook social media. Oh, you scroll over? Yeah, scroll, scroll over. Scroll over is a good way of doing it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that creates so much offense. It does. Right, and then we respond and hide behind our screen. Don't do it. Don't take the bait. <laughs> no. Don't, it's not worth it. All right, so after we do that, what's our next step, honey? We've overlooked, and now yeah. we're going to... Well, what's so important, like to help you overlook something, you have to realize, you know, that means you have to change behavior, right? Change your course of your action and direction. Yeah. So in the same way, we've got to put on and put off, right? Those are a spiritual discipline term. And in Corinthians, uh, 
I just put two together. Colossians chapter <laughs> three, he talks, and you can read that for yourself. He talks about putting off anger, fits of rage, uh, debauchery, uh, slander, gossip, all these things that go with um, being offended. And what he then says in Colossians 3, which is our key, is to put on. We are going to, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. This is so important. I mean, he's made it very clear this command is to actually take something off and to put something on. So that's very intentional, specific, direct. Um, that makes us, right, when we release control, when we uh, have self-awareness, now we're overlooking, now we know what to put on. Um, and I just think that that word clothe is such a great, because yeah. that's intentionally putting some form of the, of the Holy Spirit on instead of a form of the flesh. Right. It makes me think that, I mean, we intentionally wake up and say, okay, I need to be clothed today. I need to put on clothes. Well, same thing. There's going to be an offense today. How can I prepare myself Right, with God's perspective of how to approach this today. Just know in advance, someone's going to say something wrong. Someone's going to offend me. Yeah. But well, I have a choice, right? Well, we were talking earlier about how these are matters of the heart. They are. Right? Well, do you want anger, bitterness, and rage, and justice, and entitlement, and pride? Do you want that to be your heart? Or do you want kindness, compassion, gentleness, and self-control? Right. I mean, these are, the, these are the choices that we're really trying to, to right. live out as the character of Jesus. Which helps us to walk in the Spirit, right? right. It goes back to we can't do this on our own. We're going to need the, the, the Holy Spirit's power to help us overlook, to help us to put on God's um, character traits of compassion and patience, humility, those things. I mean, without that, we're, we're going to stumble right. on offense every time. Right, because in that moment, we actually see the value of the person and we see them through God's eyes. And we want to put on God's perspective. Um, then that's how we can really and truly love. Yeah, it's, it's the difference of saying, I got cut off in traffic, I'm mad at that person, or you know what, they might be in a hurry. They might have, be sick and going to, to, to the hospital. I can choose my perspective there. Yeah. Right. And we put on God's perspective. He's always looking at the person right. and caring for the individual above himself. Right. Now that leads us to our fifth and kind of final step in, the, in this process, which is to live in a constant state of forgiveness. And that was the phrase you used the other day in a text. I think it was great. The idea that if I'm automatically preparing to forgive people before they offend me, then I'm living in a state of forgiveness. Right? And that would mean I'm living unoffended. I'm living without the ability to be offended. If I'm just able to forgive. And I, I used to think about this as a, a teacher. Um, there was a, a, I think it was a workshop or another teacher I was talking yeah. to one time. He said, how do you get kids to stop pushing your buttons? You get rid of your buttons. So much easier. Get rid of your buttons. If you have no buttons to push. Same thing here. How do I not get offended? I'm already going to forgive. Like, I don't have to take up the offense. My, my state of forgiveness leads out of, of what I'm trying to do here. Yeah. And I think that last step kind of wraps it all together, that we can really be aware of, of what's going on and understand our relationships are more important than my anger and my feelings mm -hmm. of bitterness or rage or whatever it might be. So, after all that, honey, give me your mic drop moment about Jesus and this idea of unoffendable. 
Okay, well remember, we're still, we're still on his last day, so we're gonna go to his last minute. And, um, we're, but we're gonna read out of Matthew, okay. right? And so- No, out of Luke. Oh, we're let's back in Luke? Luke. We're back oh in yeah, Luke. we are back in Luke. Okay, so let's go back to Luke. And so we're gonna wrap it up here with, with this. He says, two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. And when they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there. Along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Okay, I just want you to stop right there for just a minute. And I, I, again, I want you to put this image in your head. Here's Jesus on the cross. And on his left is a criminal and on his right is a criminal. And he is 100% innocent. He has done nothing wrong. And he is fixing to take the wrath of our sins upon him. He has been beaten. He has been mocked. He has been spit on. He has been tortured. He has been abused. This is the only way to say that. And it, may, it makes me so emotional to think because then this is his, his very last sentence. He says, Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. This challenges me to my core because if I could, if you could church, what would it look like if we just looked at our spouse or our coworker or our friend or the stranger, the complete stranger, and we just looked at them with love and empathy and compassion and just thought, okay, something's going on inside of them. Something's definitely going on inside of me, but they are dearly and loved in, a, in God's child too. And I'm called, I'm called to forgive and I'm called to have compassion and I'm called to love. And if I could just be humble and have humility and grace in this moment, what would our world really look like? What would it really look like if we could do that to one another? Like honestly, at that point, we have to stop teaching people about Jesus and they would experience Jesus. They would experience Jesus through you, through being unoffendable, by being different than what they get from everybody else, right? When they get, you know, when they have a conflict with another person who's not a believer of Christ, they're gonna get the anger response. But something happens with you and it's, it's different, it's probably gonna help them think of, hmm, what's different? I wanna be like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess that's our, our challenge, church. Yeah. How can we live out this next week? Like, I'm gonna tell you right now, you're gonna be offended. Yeah. It's coming, right? The enemy is out there. He wants to stumble you. He wants to get you to take the bait. Yeah. But we have the choice to intentionally live unoffended. So that's our challenge. Stephanie, would you uh, pray us out today? Sure. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come before you. We're so grateful and thankful for your death on the cross. Not only did you give us eternal life, Lord, but you, you left us the way. You left us the best way, the only way to live and to live like you. And Lord, and I know in our flesh, it seems so um, unrelatable. But Lord, when we, when we call upon you, we know that with your spirit, with your resurrection power, we can, we can walk like you, we can talk like you. And whether we turn to the right or to the left, we'll hear a voice that says, this is the way. And so Lord, I just ask that you would um, slow us down, that you would help us breathe, that you would help us see the goodness in others and the kindness in others, Lord. Even when we're offended, Lord, help us to turn the cheek and to respond in love. 
we just thank you for today. We just ask that you go before us for the rest of the day. And we just pray over Paul as um, he's out on sabbatical. And we ask, Lord, that you um, speak to him and guide him and help him uh, refuel, refresh, renew, and bring him back to us safely. We love you, Jesus, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, 